Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to the third quarter investors conference call. Today's call is being recorded. Legal counsel requires us to advise that the discussion scheduled to take place today may contain forward-looking statements that involve known and unknown risks and uncertainties. Actual results may be materially different from any future results, performance, or achievements contemplated in the forward-looking statements. Additional information concerning factors that could cause actual results to materially differ from those in the forward-looking statements is contained in the company's annual information form as filed with the Canadian Securities Administrators and in the company's annual report on Form 40F as filed with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. As a reminder, today's call is being recorded. Today is Tuesday, October 26, 2021. I would now like to turn the call over to Chief Executive Officer, Mr. Scott Patterson. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Phyllis. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining our third quarter conference call. Jeremy Rakusin, CFO, is on the line with me today. I will start us off with a summary of our performance, growth drivers, and highlights for the quarter, and Jeremy will follow with a more detailed look at the financial results. Let me start by saying we are very pleased with the results for the quarter, which reflect continued strong organic growth despite a very tough labor environment, lingering COVID challenges, and supply chain obstacles. Jeremy Jeremy and I together will touch on these challenges in more detail. Total revenues for the quarter were up 14% over the prior year, with organic revenue growth at 8%. We again generated year-over-year organic growth across every platform, with particular strength at First Service Residential, Century Fire, and our home improvement brands. EBITDA for the quarter was $94 million, up 6% versus 2020, reflecting a margin of 11.1% compared to 12% in the prior year. Earnings per share were $1.50 compared to $1.19 last year. Jeremy will walk you through the year-over-year movement in the profitability metrics in his prepared comments. At First Service Residential, revenues were up 13% with organic growth at 8%. Again, this quarter, a strong contributor to year-over-year organic growth was the reopening of seasonal pools and fitness centers in the Northeast U.S. and Canada. The reopening began in the second quarter, and by the end of the third quarter, about 90% of our managed facilities were open and staffed. Outside of amenity reopening, we generated mid-single-digit organic growth in line with our long-term expectations for this division. 
A highlight at First Service Residential during the quarter was the acquisition of the Condo Management Division of Atlantic Pacific, a leading high-rise management company in South Florida. Atlantic Pacific has a strong and experienced team that manages a marquee portfolio of about 100 communities. The acquisition extends our significant leadership position in Florida and importantly, strengthens our operating team and deepens our talent pool with the addition of 900 associates. This is a great ad for us. We've long admired the team and the portfolio at Atlantic Pacific. Looking to the fourth quarter at First Service Residential, we expect to show high single-digit revenue growth, benefiting from the recent acquisition and amenity reopenings relative to the prior year. Moving on to First Service Brands, revenues for the quarter were up by 16%, 9% organically. Our home improvement segment was up by 15%, all organic. Sequentially, relative to Q2, we were down slightly. The home improvement market continues to be strong, and we continue to generate record levels of leads and booking. Our challenge in these brands has been our capacity and ability to produce the work. The resurgence of COVID during the quarter impacted many of our branches, compounding the capacity issue we've been dealing with all year due to the tight labor market. In addition, we were confronted with numerous supply chain issues during the quarter, which impacted our ability to complete work. All of the home improvement brands were faced with scheduling issues due to shipping delays and material shortages. So we were up 15% versus the prior year and 14% versus 2009 which reflects impressive growth, but we had the opportunity to do much better. The good news is, is that most of the deferred work remains in our pipeline. We're communicating extensively with our customers and rescheduling where we can for this quarter or for early 2022. Through alternative sourcing and other measures, we believe the supply chain issues are largely behind us and we expect to show improved growth in the fourth quarter for our home improvement brands, north of 20%, which is where we expected to be this past quarter. Our restoration brands, First On Site and Paul Davis, together were up over 10% relative to Q3 of last year with mid-single-digit organic growth. This is a strong result, and we are thrilled to have generated organic growth in restoration against a tough comparative quarter for us last year that included about $45 million in revenues from the Iowa windstorms and Hurricane Laura. We benefited this past quarter again from the Texas deep freeze where we closed our, out our final jobs and then Hurricane Ida which impacted Louisiana, New Jersey and New York in late August, early September. We generated about $30 million during the quarter from these events. Excluding the storms, organic growth was low double digit, which is a positive reflection on our momentum in growing day-to-day -day business by signing new customers and gaining incremental share of existing accounts. 
We were excited during the quarter to expand our footprint at first on site with the acquisitions of complete DKI in the Florida Panhandle region, more restoration in central Indiana, and insurance restoration specialists serving New Jersey and Metro Philadelphia. These acquisitions are in areas that are regularly impacted by weather events. Each is an important strategic addition that enhances our ability to respond to our national commercial accounts, and each brings on strong leadership and talent that we are excited and proud to have on our team. We continue to carry a solid backlog at our restoration brands and expect that to drive a strong fourth quarter that will get close to our fourth quarter from 2020, which was outsized with $60 million of work from the two 2020 weather events. Century Fire again grew by double digits this quarter, buoyed by a solid commercial construction market and strong momentum with our national account service and repair program. Backlogs and bid activity remain strong and we expect to see near double digit year over year growth in Q4. Before I hand off to Jeremy, I wanna emphasize how pleased we are with the continued momentum in organic growth, 8% on a consolidated basis with strong organic growth at each service line. It's a great reflection on our teams and their ability to win in the market day to day. Over to you, Jeremy. Thank you, Scott. Good morning, everyone. Our third quarter financial performance, as you just heard, was driven by strong organic and overall revenue growth and very balanced across both of our divisions, first service residential and first service brands. I will provide segmented commentary in just a moment, but first a consolidated recap. For the third quarter, first service total revenues came in at $849 million, adjusted EBITDA at $94.2 million, and adjusted EPS at $1.50, up 14%, 6%, and 26% respectively. On a year-to-date basis, we have delivered strong consolidated results across the board, both in terms of top line and profitability, and with significant contributions from all of our operations within both divisions. Financial highlights for the nine months year-to-date include revenues of $2.39 billion, up from $2 billion even in the prior year period, an increase of 20%, which includes 13% organic growth. Adjusted EBITDA also increased 20%, up to $243.8 million, compared to the $203.8 million in the prior third quarter, with our overall EBITDA margin remaining in line at 10.2%. And lastly, our adjusted EPS year-to-date currently sits at $3.36, up 38% over the $2.44 per share reported for the same period last year. Adjustments to operating earnings and GAAP EPS in providing adjusted EBITDA and adjusted EPS respectively are disclosed in this morning's earnings release and are consistent with our approach in prior periods. I'll now elaborate on our third quarter segmented results. Within our first service residential division, 
we reported revenues of $423.1 million, a 13% increase over Q3 2020. This strong top-line performance drove EBITDA of $45.1 million, an 8% increase year-over-year. At the same time, we did see our EBITDA margin moderate by 50 basis points to come in at 10.7% for the quarter. This margin decline resulted from two factors. First, we have experienced a general increase in wages across the division. We can recoup some of this through cost-plus contracts, but much of it will be subject to a lag in getting price increases through contract renewals. A second factor contributing to our margin for the quarter was the increased labor coming on stream to support our amenity facility reopenings during the quarter, which yielded a typical sub-10% fully burdened margin that averaged down the overall division margin. Now to our first service brands division. The division generated revenues of $426.4 million during the current third quarter, up 16% versus the prior year period, and supported by both the strong organic growth drivers that Scott commented on, as well as contribution from recent tuck under acquisitions. During the current third quarter, our brand EBITDA came in at $53 million, a 9% increase year over year with a resulting 12.4% margin down compared to 13.3% in last year's Q3. The margin decline was primarily attributable to supply chain constraints affecting the pricing of our raw material inputs at both our home improvement brands and Century Fire Protection, and increased labor costs also related to those supply chain bottlenecks which caused scheduling issues and inefficiencies within our frontline teams in completing jobs. Reverting now back to our consolidated results, just a couple more comments to note on our overall profitability. First, we incurred a $2 million year-over-year increase in corporate costs during the third quarter that impacted our overall EBITDA and operating earnings reflecting a normalization of compensation expenses compared to the COVID-driven cost reductions in the prior year quarter. Our total corporate cost of $3.9 million during the quarter is consistent with my comments in Q2 regarding reversion back to an annualized corporate cost run rate in the mid-teens millions of dollars. Second, we realized a $12.5 million gain in other income related to the sale of our small, non-core legacy pest control business based in Florida, which was part of our first service residential division. On an after-tax basis, this divestiture contributed $0.21 to our adjusted earnings per share of $1.50 for the third quarter. In terms of capital deployment during the third quarter, we saw strong activity with our Tuck Under Acquisition Program. We invested $46 million during the period on four transactions that will bring approximately $75 million in incremental annualized revenues. Our deal pipeline remains quite active 
as our teams continue to be engaged in varying stages of dialogue with prospective targets. We also incurred $13 million in capital expenditures during the third quarter, and with year-to-date CapEx sitting at $42 million, we are on track with our $60 million full-year target. Cash flow was strong during the quarter, allowing us to internally fund a good portion of these capital requirements, while at the same time incrementally strengthening our balance sheet further. Before working capital changes, cash flow from operations was $72 million, up in line with EBITDA growth over the prior year quarter. We realized almost $30 million of operating cash flow after working capital investments required to support both the across-the-board strong organic growth of our existing businesses and the recent tuck under acquisitions. Our balance sheet at quarter end included net debt of $425 million, resulting in our leverage coming in at 1.2 times net debt to trailing 12-month EBITDA, down sequentially from our prior second quarter. Our liquidity and debt capacity also remained strong, with approximately $535 million of total cash on hand and undrawn availability under our credit facility. To close off our prepared comments with an outlook, you have already heard Scott's top-line indicators for the fourth quarter for each of our businesses. On a consolidated basis, we therefore expect our revenue growth in Q4 to be in the high single digits. Our consolidated EBITDA margin in the fourth quarter will see some year-over-year decline, largely due to similar labor cost-driven margin dilution at First Service Residential, as we saw in the third quarter. On a full-year basis, we anticipate our consolidated EBITDA margin to come in at around 10%, relatively in line with 2020, and consistent with our expectations that we communicated on our second quarter earnings call. In terms of our 2022 outlook, we will provide some high-level color during our 2021 year-end earnings call scheduled for early February. That concludes our prepared comments. Uh, Phyllis, you can now open up the call to questions. Thank you. To ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. To exit question queue, press the pound key. Your first question comes from the line of George Dumet with Scotia Bank. Yeah, hi, George, your line is open. Thank you. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, I didn't want to talk about um, the low double-digit organic growth and restoration, excluding storm activity. Um, that's a big number. I think, Scott, you alluded to that earlier. So can you give us a little bit of color on, on where that's coming uh, coming from and um, just wondering, I think the baseline for that previously was mid-single digits to high-single digits, but just wondering how we should think about kind of that strength going on a go-forward basis. Sure, George. I mean, I think it's really uh, executing on, on the growth plan and, in particular, uh, leveraging our branch network to better position ourselves with national accounts. Um, specifically, we're investing aggressively in our sales force. We, you know, in each of the quarters this this year, we've uh, we've uh, recruited 
high-level sales talent um, that that have a number of established relationships. We're also building out our our sales verticals and and particularly focusing on high-end, more complex uh, customers where we can uh, differentiate ourselves. And examples would be healthcare and uh, defense contractors, chemical facilities, where uh, our uh, teams need uh, specialist training and, and certification. And, uh, and it's enabled us to, to really uh, build our verticals. Uh, and at the same time, and that's on a national basis, at the same time, our branch network is having real success winning local and regional business. So it's, uh, you know, we are focused on building our day-to-day uh, -day business um, relative to the industry, our dependence on uh, weather events, cat storms is, is lower, and, uh, and strategically that's, that's a goal for us. Okay, yeah, thanks for that. And staying, um, staying on this vertical, but maybe switching gears to the, the M&A part of it, is there ultimately a strategy or uh, a, a game plan in terms of how big we want to get in, in this segment and which markets you'd like to have maybe a top presence in? Well, I mean, certainly there is. It's, uh, you know, this is a $60 billion market. And, um, you know, we're number two and on the commercial side, number two on the residential side uh, with a very modest market share. So uh, we can be multiples uh, uh, in, in terms of uh, relative to our current size. Uh, and, and strategically, all the major markets, uh, we need to have a very strong presence in all the major markets and be able to serve national customers across North America. And, and we continue to drive towards that. Okay, just one last point, if I may. At the residential segment, um, of the 70% of that business that's not cost plus, can you maybe explain how we adjust pricing and wages? I think Jeremy, you, you did call out a lot of factors. Can you talk a little bit about that? And maybe how much of this quarter's 8% um, organic growth was pricing uh, versus volume? Should we expect those, those trends to continue? Jeremy? Yeah, sure. Um, so just the back end of your question, George, um, most of it's volume. I mean, in this industry, uh, pricing is very modest. You know, it's historically been a percent, percent and a half-ish, and, and that's no different. So in terms of, um, you know, dealing with the, the non-pass-through cost plus components, you know, we believe that we're going to capture – uh, some of that wage inflation back through price increases as contracts renew, and those can be one-year or multi-year contracts, and then continuing to work on you know, operating efficiencies that have always been in progress uh, over the last five, six years, and the teams are always working to you know, extract some of those. So those two factors in combination will allow us to, um, again, uh, re recoup any of the uh, margin impact due to uh, wage inflation. Okay, great. Thanks for answers. Good luck. Thanks. Your next question comes from the line of Scott Frompson with CIBC. Morning, gentlemen. Morning. Uh, in the home improvement 
brands, what are you seeing in terms of average average uh, ticket size? So kind of adjusted for uh, recent inflation, if you can. Or maybe another way to put it is, are you seeing a change in uh, in demographics for your business? What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I'm just digesting, Scott. In terms of a, a change in demographics, um, I think, you know, certainly uh, millennials, uh, we're focusing uh, much more on on the uh, the younger generations um, uh, as they become homeowners and 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 buyers of our of our services. Um, I'm not sure I understood the first part of your question. Well, just uh, I guess it relates to uh, organic growth, but basically on a on a per call basis, are you seeing that uh, that that revenue per call go up, or do, uh, is that a metric you even track? No, it is. It's certainly, average job size is something we track, and we're seeing increases at each of our businesses. Some of that is price. We are more nimble in terms of in, increasing our price and responding to uh, cost increases uh, in the home improvement brands. There's still a lag because we're booked out two to three months, uh, but. Um, uh, certainly, you know, we 15% growth this quarter, uh, expecting 20 next quarter. Most of that is volume, uh, but there is there is some some price. And then at the same time, uh, we are seeing uh, consumers take on and, and book larger jobs, more ambitious uh, renovation work, and uh, so we're we're seeing that also. Thanks. That's exactly what I was looking for. And just uh, on the residential business, you said 90% of uh, residential facilities or amenities, I guess, are uh, are opened. What's the outlook for the remaining 10%? Well, ma- many of them that that aren't open are seasonal, and so it'll be uh, 2022. Okay. So you you expect the full resumption? We do. We do. Okay. That's it. Thank you very much. I'll turn it over. Your next question comes from the line of Frederick Bastion with Raymond James. Hey, good morning. Um, Scott, you've been pretty upfront with us about your expectations for organic growth to return to the uh, mid-single-digit rates for both uh, FSR and FSD at some point. Um, Certainly looks like we're going to be well above that in Q4, but how much do you uh, visibility do you have uh, beyond that and heading into uh, 2020? Well, I think um, for service residential, uh, we expect that to uh, settle back to that uh, low to mid single digit organic growth. Um, and then the brands, uh, there's, you know, there's there's some moving parts. Home, home improvement, you know, everything that we see points to continued strength through 2022 uh, so that will um, you know that will be a tailwind for us uh, we expect uh, century fire continues to be continues to be strong 
Um, and then restoration, we've just got the very, very tough comps um, going into 22 that we're going to be dealing with. So, um, you know, it, it, I mean, I feel good about the uh, organic growth across the board, honestly. Uh, I think 22 and brands, it really depends on uh, restoration. Okay, cool. Thanks for that. Uh, now, if we just look at restoration and and also um, I guess Century Fire, you've done a number of, of tuck-in acquisitions, and just wondering where your footprint resides now uh, with both sort of businesses and you know whether there's still some white space areas that you're looking at right now for growth. Um, we have uh, we have a great deal of white space and opportunity in, in both of these businesses. Century Fire is um, southeast U.S. Uh, we are uh, still have uh, white space in, in Texas, um, parts of Florida, and then we have, uh, through acquisitions this year, moved into the Mid-Atlantic, and there's, there's lots of opportunity for us in the Mid-Atlantic region. Restoration, uh, similarly, uh, you know, we are, our footprint needs to, uh, we need to build it out in the western U.S. Uh, and there continues to be opportunity for us um, in, in the south, not necessarily in Florida, but in, uh, in the south uh, Atlantic area where uh, there is uh, higher storm activity. So again, uh, Texas and, and the southeast in general. Great, thanks. Thanks, Scott. Uh, next one for, for Jeremy. Um, the rate of earnings that's attributable to the non-controlling non addresses is pretty hard for us to predict um, and model, but it, it seemed to have come a little lower than, I mean, at least it, it came in lower than we had forecast. Is there anything unusual in the, in the current quarter, and can you give us a sense of where that that rate a percentage will uh, will end up in the year yeah Frederick quarter to quarter is hard as you said to to forecast for you guys um, it depends on the mix of our hundred um, percent owned businesses versus the partner businesses um, but on a long-term or annual basis you know I'd say eight percent um, minority interest share of earnings is a good number okay thanks I'll turn it over your next question comes from the line of Stephen McLeod with BMO Capital Markets. Uh, thank you. Good morning, guys. Um, just had a couple questions here on the uh, labor inflation specifically. Um, I assume is it is it safe to assume that um, you know labor inflation and labor availability would have impacted you more on the top line in, in brands versus residential. Um, and if that's the case, is there any way to quantify sort of how much more you were held back because of some of the labor shortages? Even it, it impacted us in every business. Um, I think that you're right. It, it was probably, um, we felt it more on the brand side. Home improvement, I think to a certain extent, in restoration also. Um, I mean, we continue to have an unprecedented number of, of open positions. Um, but, you know, I'm not, I, I, I'm not sure we can quantify it. Uh, we expected to 
home improvement branch to be up over 20%. Um, we were at 15, and uh, we'll make it up the next couple of quarters uh, as we get to that work. Um, but tough to quantify, um, so many moving parts. Okay, yeah, that, that, that's understandable. Um, and then maybe when you think about um, labor inflation on the on the residential side, um, you know, presumably with your scale, you're you're well positioned to manage through these kinds of headwinds. Do you see an opportunity for accelerated uh, new contract wins? You know, maybe as uh, as smaller competitors, their contracts come up for renewal and they can't find the staffing or have the staffing to to renew at a reasonable rate. Um, you know, is that something we could we could potentially see heading into 2022? Uh, I, we're not expecting that. Um, you know, the 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 one of the issues is that the competing with these smaller private companies, uh, they compete with us on price, and um, and so they uh, that that's their approach to these accounts. And they're comfortable um, earning a lower margin, significantly lower in some cases. So I, I don't see the opportunity to, on the organic growth side necessarily. No. Okay. Okay, that's um, that's great. Okay, well that's it for me. Thank you. Thanks. Your next question comes from the line of Stephen Sheldon with William Blair. Hey, thanks. Good morning. Yeah, first, just in, in the residential segment, another really strong quarter of organic growth there. Curious if, if looking at the segment by property type, if you're seeing any di different growth trends, especially between mid and high-rise condos versus other property types, and, and would you expect any mix shift in that portfolio as we think about the next year, such as uh, a revenue shift more towards mid and high-rise condos? As, as I think, just looking back over the last few years. The mix has been, it seemed to be pretty stable there. Just would love any color. Yeah, I think the, uh, if, if there's a change in mix, Stephen, it's very subtle. Uh, but we, we are winning a larger uh, high-rise uh, opportunities and uh, large master plan communities, uh, lifestyle, new development. Um, it's, it requires a more complex service offering, including event planning, lifestyle, and, and really a breadth of services that not many of our competitors have. So uh, there is a subtle shift towards, uh, towards that type of property in our portfolio. Got it, that's helpful. And then just wanted to, to ask on the, going back to kind of the labor pressures, um, across the organization and maybe the month-to-month -month cadence there. Did, did, did that pressure become even more pronounced throughout the quarter? And, and would you expect this to become an even bigger headwind to growth as you think about the rest of this year and into 2022? It, um, it definitely intensified uh, through the quarter and has over, I guess, I'm going to say the last five or six, five or six months. Um, the competition for talent is, is fierce. And, uh, I, you know, for first service residential, it comes really from hospitality and, and uh, the reopening. Um, on the brand side, it, you know, it comes from 
construction and, and other home improvement companies. Uh, but what we've seen is we've seen our turnover increase uh, at every business, and I think we are we're making the decision internally to pay the people we know, the people we trust, the people that carry our values, because we're seeing clearly that we'll we'll need to pay that higher amount for someone new. And so uh, I think we're maybe moving perhaps a little bit in front of um, of others. Um, and we'll see it continue uh, into the fourth quarter, but but we'll also be uh, as we as we continue be making moves on the price uh, side as contracts come up, and there are contracts do come up for renewal at the end of the year. So uh, we're not going to be able, as Jeremy said, there's going to be a lag. We have multi-year contracts; we're not getting it back um, immediately, uh, but we'll, we will work our way through this. Makes sense. Appreciate it, Again, to ask a question, please press star 1. Your next question comes from the line of Matt Logan with RBC Capital Markets. Thank you, and good morning. Morning. Uh, Scott, you provided some really good commentary on the restoration business earlier on the call, and I know you don't uh, have a formal five-year plan. But would you mind taking a few minutes to talk about how you see the business evolving through 2025? Any color on things like expected growth rates, the overall mix by division, or brand, and maybe some updates for your other uh, branded businesses would be appreciated. It's, um, you know, like all our businesses, Matt, uh, we are an organic growth company first. And uh, that's our focus. So we're we're doing uh, all the hard work uh, necessary to drive that over the long term. And aspirationally, we want First On Site and Paul Davis to be iconic brands. And um, you know, we're doing more of that foundational work at First On Site right now with uh, the operating platform and. Uh, investing in it, uh, recruiting uh, to drive it. Uh, I, I talked about recruiting sales teams and building out our branch network, and this is all around long-term organic growth. And, uh, you know, for each of our businesses, we we target mid-single digit on average uh, over time, and then we look to enhance that through acquisition now. There's very active consolidation and restoration right now, so you've seen us uh, be active. Uh, we will continue that, uh, but it's it's not going to continue. The acquisitions won't continue at the same pace, and we'll be we'll be driving the organic growth. So it's um, in, in terms of uh, getting out to 25, uh, uh, um, you know, we're looking beyond that, and and we're, we we uh, will be a leader in this business. Uh, on the commercial side, uh, aspirationally on the residential side too, uh, but it's over, it's over the long term. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else you want me to fill in around that, but let me pause there. Uh, do you think there's any you know white space and you know businesses outside of kind of where you're at today, um, you know property related services that aren't restoration or 
um, clauses or home inspections or things that you see opportunity in that might be a, a potential vertical? Yeah, there are opportunities that are tangential, I would say. Um, tangential to uh, restoration, perhaps tangential to some, you know, first service residential. Uh, and, you, you know, you think about uh, storm damage and, and uh, weather events and, and restoration in general and everything that goes into that, um, we provide some of those services and there's opportunities to increase the breadth of services that we provide. Uh, first service residential, you think about uh, all of the staff and, and services provided to, to buildings and um, and where we can expand. And so we're always thinking about those uh, those things. I don't know that it's necessarily a new vertical as much as uh, expanding the, the services that we provide to our existing customer. Okay, um, and maybe just one housekeeping item for me, if you don't mind changing gears. In terms of the storm revenue this quarter, it was about $30 million, if I have my, my numbers right. What was that on an EBITDA basis? Would have been uh, pretty similar as uh, is typical in some of the other quarters, um, Matt, you know, in around 10%, which is how um, first on-site has performed, um, you know, the last, you know, six-plus quarters. Okay. Thanks, Jeremy. I uh, appreciate the caller. I'll turn the call back. And at this time, there are no further questions. Thank you, Phyllis, and, and thank you, everyone, for, for joining. Uh, we look forward to um, our year-end call in February. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes the third quarter investors conference call. Thank you for your participation, and have a nice day. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.